Working 18 hour days, I slipped and I fell. When it's up and hit me, I had to change well. There's no way to sustain it, you crash and burn. Will not be able to work and no way to hurt. Change well, and then you can leave. Change well, and your kids you get feed. Turn your life around for the final bell. It's now or never, you have to change well. It's now or never, you must change well. Hello and welcome to part two of our series on wellness in the workplace. This is the Change Well podcast. In last week's podcast, we discussed just three of the reasons that a focus on employee wellness was good for the bottom line. This week's episode, we will begin to explore the 15 well-led guidelines that lead to project success and employee wellness. We at Wellness Leadership LLC believe that today's best-led organizations focus on the wellness of their employees first and foremost. Gone are the days when you have to had to decide between mission and people. The best way to accomplish the corporate mission is to enable your people to fulfill their purpose. Our well-led guidelines operate within the risk management domain. Every project management professional knows, if they if they pass the PMP, of course, that there are three critical constraints on project management, also known as the iron triangle of project management. They are scope, schedule, and budget. They are also aware of the significant risks that impact these components. For example, we all know that disagreement among stakeholders over requirements or vision can lead to scope creep and in turn impact budget and time. Likewise, a delay in an external dependency, such as a related project, can impact the scheduling costs. Yes, the average PMP can write off the key risks from the PMI manual and may even be able to come up with a mitigation plan or two for that risk. But in my 30 years of experience running and QAing projects and teams, I've seen more projects and organizations go off the rails by inadequately accounting for employee wellness. I'm sorry if I get on my high horse. This is something I feel very strongly about. Since I was one of those employees, I went off the rails. (laughs) Here are just three examples of how employee wellness can impact a project. A project scheduled its critical initial deployment one week after Diwali. Consequently, when a problem rose just before that release, the vital resources from the India Delivery Center were not on hand to correct the problem. The U.S.-based leadership, yeah, they knew about Christmas, they knew about Thanksgiving, but they forgot about the key holiday for most of their resources on their global team. Here's a second one. A key developer and an informal leader of a project did not trust the underlying architecture. Now, there was nothing wrong with the architecture per se, but there was a concern and it could have been a little bit better. 
Instead of discussing and addressing that concern, which would have been minimal, the project lead indicated that the architecture was used in a thousand of projects. By the way, the project lead was me when I was younger. And, and because of that, instead of listening to the minor recommendation of the developer, the, the developer got very anxious about the pending rollout and decided to leave the project. And this was at a crucial time, and it took a few cr uh, critical resources with them. Ah, me in my younger days when I didn't know about this kind of stuff. Third, a project was pushing toward a tight deadline and shifted to a mandatory work schedule. The new schedule impacted the employee's non-work appointments, such as school and daycare pickup, causing anxiety and resentment. As a result, absenteeism increased and productivity decreased, impacting the schedule even more. I could name many, many more examples. Most of them I caught, you know, in my later years as QA and made sure people corrected them. But our 10 to 15 minute uh, podcast would turn into hours and quite frankly, would not be very inspiring. So instead of going on and on about the problems, I'm going to talk about the well-led guidelines, giving an example of where it could be a problem, and then how to mitigate this risk. So here's the first five of the 15 well-led guidelines, a way to incorporate wellness and ensure corporate success. The first one, the first guideline is acknowledge overwork is counterproductive. We all know the pressure of tight deadlines and schedules. The first inclination is to work harder and longer to finish the job on time. You know, I fashioned myself as an Iron Man that could work 16-hour days, seven days a week, and I put my people through hell because I said, hey, if I can do it, you could do it. That's not the right approach. Overwork is counterproductive and leads to burnout. A Gallup study found that employees are around 2.6 times more likely to search for other jobs if they're burnt out. Now, of course, they won't look for those jobs when you're pushing them to the deadline because they don't have time. But they will as soon as the project ends and therefore mitigate your chance to have overall sustainable project success. Also, overworked employees tend to make more mistakes and errors in judgments. I first learned this lesson from my high school football coaches, believe it or not. One year, the new and full of fire coaches conducted a football camp with three daily hard workouts. The team lost two critical early games due to injuries, resulting in the team missing the playoffs. The following year, though, the coaches adjusted and adapted and added a rest period each day at the pool. The result? A team that wasn't that good on paper relative to the team the year before was in the playoffs and won them. The lesson of the football team applies to the workplace. Overwork in the office can lead to critical mistakes, rework, problems with retention and absenteeism. It also can lead to people falling asleep on a job. Before I got to the message 
on overwork, I remember being <laughs> being on a late night troubleshooting call and hearing storing on the background. Our testing lead, who'd had been up for almost a day, had fallen asleep. What are some tricks to avoid overwork? First and foremost, if someone is allocated as a part-time FTE, they have other things to do, but they're de dedicated part-time to your project, you cannot schedule them and load them in the project as full-time. In fact, you may not even be able to schedule them at you won't even be able to schedule them a half time because they also have things to do after their other responsibilities. Second, for full-time FTEs, load them in the schedule for no more than 6.5 hours a day. I know that sounds low, but trust me, it, it, it'll, it'll, you want to uh, say what you mean and mean what you say. You want to promise what you can deliver. So, this is a way to ensure project success. Now, of course, we may not be all doing um, waterfall project plans. So if you're working in an agile structure, ensure you account for non-productive time in your capacity points. Three, if the resulting schedule after correct loading that we just talked about is too tight to hit a deadline, Either pull in additional resources so you can hit the deadline or make the hard decision up front to move the deadline and communicate that difficult message up front before burning everybody out and um, potentially risking project success. Fourth, you need to make sure you account for key holidays for all groups on a global team. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. An excellent way to do this is to subscribe to an online service such as GlobeSmart or your organization's equivalent. If you want to learn about the link to GlobeSmart, I have it in the associated blog that are in the show notes. So you could go to the blog, click on the link, and uh, find all about GlobeSmart. It's an awesome tool. Fifth and final, during a crisis, ensure only the people critical to solving the problem are on call. Let the rest off the hook. Sometimes this takes some prodding. Since in my experience, most people are good people. They feel vested until they become resentful that they work too much. If people want to stay involved, that's good. Set up a rotating pool of team members to spell each other. In closing, you may be able to overwork your team or organization to hit one project deadline, but rest assured, a good chunk of that team will exit right after the project, and they won't be there for the next one. So if you want sustainable success, do not overwork your team. Instead, build an organization for the long haul over uh, multiple projects. Here's our second guideline. It's kind of like the first one, but a little bit different. Build in time, build in time away from work. The best way to do this is to plan this approach up front. Provide each team member with a block of time during work hours to get non-work commitments done. 
You could choose three or four standard blocks and let people choose their blocks. The individual schedules would then be loaded into your project schedule so you, or your capacity plan so you would know it up front. You know, most people need some time during work hours to get family commitments done. It is best that the time is built into the schedule so they can rely on it each week and others on their team know about it. For those projects and organizations that must collaborate heavily, look for a time to build an organizational non-work block during regular hours. Even though it was 30 years ago and I was in a different occupation, the military, I remember when General Shali Kashvili used this concept effectively as commander of the 9th Infantry Division. All commanders in the division had to cease work while in garrison for three hours each week to allow soldiers to go to the PX and do other family business. This was quite effective in building morale and allowing soldiers needed family time when they were not in the field. Of course, we didn't do this when we were in the field. And it was affectionately known as Shally Day. And it worked because, you know, proof is in the pudding. General Shally Cashfieldy went on to be the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff and one of our most decorated generals. One last thing on this topic. Once you establish work hours, set policies to not call, send emails, or hold meetings during non-work hours, except in real emergencies, and don't make up some fake emergency. Once the policy is set, you need to lead by example. You don't answer emails during non-work hours. The third guideline, incorporate fun and incentives. Even when you properly plan not to overwork your team and give them appropriate time off, challenging projects and programs can be a real slog. It would be best to find a way to make the project fun as the organization strives for a common goal. One of my first bosses was the master building fun into the project. Here's my favorite example. For one project, she made a poster of the Empire State Building with a stage of the project, design code, tests, etc. every 30th floor. Then she gave each team a small cutout figure of King Kong with the name of their assigned work stream. We would gather twice a week at the end of the day to move up our King Kong's up the Empire State Building, and it was pretty, it was really fun, but sometimes it was a little trying when uh, your team wouldn't move their King Kong up far enough. Anyway, you got a lottery ticket for each stage you progress. It built fun into a challenging project and built com camaraderie. And some people even won up to $100 on the instant lottery ticket, not enough to get them off the project. But, but, you know, it was fun. And every and a lot of times they would share the $100 um, w with the rest of the project. The fourth guideline. You need energy during your project. So offer healthy, culturally appropriate snacks and foods. Projects run on time need people with energy. Almost everyone who has been on a project has had a pizza or a wings lunch at one time or the other. I'm not talking about that. Pizza and less nutritious foods can be occasional treats, but look to provide your team with healthy snacks. 
They need nutritious options to do their best work. And when planning outings, include healthy food that fits your team's dietary needs. Here's a funny story. It was not too funny, actually. I will never forget the first two times we had outings in Texas on this project. The leadership in charge of the food choices ordered barbecue, hardcore barbecue. This is okay for most people in Texas, but half, half my team was vegetarian. After fretting that they only had potato salad for sustenance, I made the rule that all outings were to have a vegan option. Food that fits a team needs vegetarian food for vegetarians and also healthy snacks. The last guideline for this podcast, when it snows, stay home. Don't risk your employee's health from a, from a pandemic, we all know that, or weather risks. In addition, you should build a schedule contingency for such an occasion and a weather risk with an appropriate mitigation plan. Hey, schools have weather days. Projects need them also. We, we all know about this risk from recent pandemic, but weather and its impact on employees' safety are sometimes not always considered. Here's a real-life example. We were pushing for the deadline of a major project and with some indication that an ice storm would hit that evening. Our project decided to hold a meeting to determine how to deal with the project risks when the organization we were working with left early to avoid the storm. They're smart. The risk management, as all risk management meetings go, went long. And we did three things wrong. All of us Southerners, we blew off the risk of the ice storm. Second, we were so immersed in other risks and their mitigation that no one checked if the ice storm risk materialized. No one walked outside the door. We were in there debating what we're going to do next. Third, once we left for the night and the roads had become exceedingly dangerous, and that, and that was very evident. There was no plan to accommodate people in a nearby hotel. The result? Three people were injured. Not injured seriously, but pretty bad. I mean, one broke their leg. Walking to their cars or slipping into a ditch with their cars. And other people were anxious. It took me five hours to drive home when it usually took me one hour. Bottom line, do not discount the ice storms of risk. Have a mitigation plan and take care of your employee's safety. I hope these first five well-led guidelines have been helpful and have given you ideas to solve for both mission and people. Until next week, change well.